Good evening. This is your host, Sharon Hinton. And I'm the host and the producer of Black Teachers Matter. This is episode two. Welcome. My guest this evening is Barbara Barrows-Murray. She is an Emmy Award-winning producer, WGBH, and also former studio manager of BNN TV Studios, now BNN Media. Welcome, Barbara. How are you? Hi, Sharon. How are you? I am really, really good. Thank you for being on this show. Um, it's the second show. The first one, we had Julia Mejia and Ed Gaskin talking about Black Women Lead. And so it just makes sense that I would have you because you're a Black woman leader. You're a leader of so many different things, and I know you, but I want our audience to know you. Um, you're also the vice president of Boston Media Producers and uh, Boston Media Producers Group, and you have so many other accolades tell us let's i don't want to go too far back but let's talk about some of your former history i can go all the way back with you from the story that you tell me or you've told me about elma lewis and so a lot of people don't know that you were actually a dancer and you've always been in the arts so can you tell us about why you've been in this business it seems like you've been in this business and it's just morphed into based on the technology, different things. Now we're doing a podcast, but you also have a show. So talk about some of your background that's been in the arts and up through GBH and Elma Lewis School of Fine Arts and to present day. Okay. Um, basically, well, I still have a, I have a television show, uh, Say Brother Radio, which started on that radio station, WBCA FM. And then that morphed into a television series because they started airing my show on uh, BNN. So I started producing on BNN TV and they stripped the audio off of that and they put that on the BCA, which made it simpler for me. Um, that career came out of a career that I had at WGBH, as you men mentioned earlier. Uh, I started at WGBH in 72, I think, 1972. And I started as a entry-level production person. Wait a minute. How could you have started in 1972? You're so young. You're only in your yeah. 40s. <laughs> right. Um, well, time just moves, you know. Especially when you're having fun. Oh yeah, and, and we I have just, a lot of uh, fun. Yeah, I, I did. I I danced from age eight until fifteen. I studied dance, and then from fifteen until twenty-two, I was in a dance company, the Alma Lewis Dance Company. Mm. Um, and I loved that. That was always my first love: ballet and jazz and African dance. And uh, in fact, that person, Elma Lewis, was my mentor, and she was the one who suggested that I get into television in the first place. Mm. Um, she was on the board of WGBH at the time, and what she realized was that, as a board member, was that when they finished uh, Say Brother programs, they would erase those programs and re-record all of them. Whoa. And she said, uh, 
you are wiping out our history. Since Say Brother was the first black show in the country. So everybody, wait, wait, wait. anybody. First black talk show or first Television black... show. Really? Yeah. Like first way before television. Julia and, and those kinds of programs? Well, the first black television talk show. I guess talk show, like okay. I was public affairs say... program. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, they were wiping the programs, erasing them. Wow. And she said to the then president of GBH, whose name was David Ives, she said, now, when they record the BSO, do they erase, erase those to record over them again? So Boston said, BSO no. is Boston Symphony Orchestra. For those mm-hmm. of you who are not in Boston and don't know. Go ahead. And he said, of course not. She said, of course not. And we don't need to be erasing black history either. So we have to do something about that. So he said, what do you think you want to do? She said, well, I didn't know it was going to be up to me, but since it is, I will come back with an answer. Her answer was to tell me, I worked as an administrative financial support person at the National Center of Afro-American Artists and the Alma Lewis School, uh, which were both her institutions. And I worked as a financial support person. And she um, said, Barbara, I think since you're not going to dance anymore, and I had decided that after going to New York and seeing that I was good, but I wasn't great. Mm. So if you're not great, you're going to end up being in chorus line if you're lucky. So she said, I want you to I want you to go to WGBH and work in television. I said, to do what? I don't know anything about television. And she said, that's okay. Let me tell you what I want you to do. I want you to manage our history. Do not let them erase any more of the Say Brother programs. Mm. She said, I don't know. I, I told her, I don't know how to do that. She said, well, you'll figure it out. So... I took about two weeks. I went to Europe. I splurged a little. I knew this was going to be a changing point in my life. I just knew it. So I came back. And um, I started working at WGBH as a production secretary and a production assistant. Those entry-level positions. Wait, hold on for a second, because... You went to Europe where? Did Because um, France, Paris, because of the World War? And... I went to France and okay. I went to England, mm. um, which is my most favorite part of the world, going to London. I wanted to see theater there. Their theater is incredible, just like their television programming. Um, and so I came back. From uh, being in Europe for a couple of weeks, and uh, I came on Say Brother as entry-level person. And the first thing I did was took myself down into a department called Traffic. Traffic is where they manage all the shows, mm-hmm. all the shows for WGBH. And I befriended the traffic operator. And she knew everybody's shows. She knew every show. She knew everything in that department. And in those days, we had tapes that were two inches wide. I remember. Two inches. And those huge reels. very heavy. 
the real, the big very, reels. Very mm -hmm. That's right. And um, so she showed me the difference between master tapes and original tapes. Mm -hmm. And said, if you're going to erase something, erase those. Do not erase these. She said, I wondered when somebody was going to say something about erasing these masters. She said, but it wasn't my job. Is it? Was I said, this, well, now this it's is, mine. Wait a minute, wait a minute, go back. So when she said it wasn't her job, this was a woman. Was she a black woman? No. And she said it wasn't her job. So what, her job was to what? Just to program the tapes? No, if you call down there to order a tape, you order what you have on your sheets. And you have a, a, a list of masters and they have a list of original tapes. So you order what you need and she will pull them for you so you could take them to the engineering room so they can record on them. So it's a, she was like the librarian of the videotapes. Exactly. Okay. And so it wasn't her responsibility to determine what we were going to record on and what we were not. But she knew as someone that was very bright and had quite a few years there, she knew what we were doing was wiping out our history as we were recording it. But it wasn't her job to say, don't do that. So since I was assigned, not by GBH, but by Alma Lewis, my mentor, to save our history, that's what I did. Let me I ask went, you something. I, 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 you know, <laughs> you're saying something that's kind of blowing me away, right? Because you said that she said it wasn't her job. And you said it was your job, even though it was Elma Lewis, and it wasn't the place that you worked. And so, and I just want to pose this. We don't have to answer this now. But at what point do people, and this is extreme what I'm going to compare this to, but maybe it isn't. At what point as human beings and creative people do we stop doing the things that the machine or the corporations tell us to do. And so I'm going to liken that to people that were taking part in the Holocaust and they were killing people. And what they said was, I just did my job. That's And so she kind of said that too. I knew it was wrong, but I was just doing my job. And even though you were working for the same company, you had enough courage and it really took courage because you could have lost your job too, depending on what you did. Um, and you decided to not, do that and to actually be more responsible for history and for the legacy of black people. So what was it about you? Were you just following Elma Lewis or is there something in you that sparked what she said? Well, what sparked what I was thinking was that Elma Lewis said to me when she sent me over there to do the interview for the job was that I was going to be responsible for our history as black people. But you took it upon and, yourself. You didn't shy away from it. What was it in you that knew that that was a responsibility or because you respected well, Elma Lewis so much that you decide, you know, you're Elma Lewis, you're my mentor, you've taught me all this stuff, this must be important. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was all of that. It was all of that and the responsibility that what she said to me. She said, don't let them wipe or erase any more of our history. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want you to keep as your job. Now, whatever they teach you technically, great. But that's what I, that's why I'm sending you to WGPH. 
and she knew they were wiping out our history. So I wasn't going to let that continue to happen. I don't know how many more ways you can say that. You know, she always taught me when you're teaching somebody something, if they don't understand what you're saying, say it another way, because you as a teacher are responsible for making sure they understand what you need and what you need to hear. So she, as my teacher, made it perfectly clear as to what I was supposed to do. And I historically understood what I needed to do. My grandfather was one of the first black doctors in Cambridge. And he always talked to me about the responsibilities he had as a black doctor and what kinds of things I needed to do as a black child and what I needed to think about as I grew older and where my responsibilities would lie. And as far as I was concerned, I was just picking up where he left off. Okay. Ms. Lewis said, do not let them erase our history. So hold on for a second, because I want to, uh, in the interest of marking something historic, this is Black Teachers Matter that you're listening to on WBCA LP 102.9 FM, Boston. You're listening to Barbara Barrow-Murray. She is a teacher. And the importance of Black teachers, Elma Lewis was an amazing teacher. And we have memories of her, even though she's gone on to be with the ancestors this is WBCA LP 102.9 FM, Boston, Boston's community radio station. And the responsibility of community radio and community media is what we are doing so that our history is taught and not erased. Go ahead, Barbara. So Elma Lewis, first of all, uh, was first an educator before she was anything else. She was first an educator. And before she taught us how to dance, how to perform as actors, how to sing, whatever it was your talent was that you wanted to develop. She taught us our history. She taught us what we needed to know. When we were on the floor stretching, she was teaching us that very moment, telling us a story, either through illustration or a literal story about something we needed to know as Black people. Um, so... I was accustomed of, uh, to being trained by her and being given instructions by her. And so it was not, it was not unusual mm -hmm. for me to hear something like that from her. Um, I did not know about, say, brother. I did not really know about GBH, except for the fact that she sent us there to dance and we had to perform in the studio. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I knew nothing about television. I realized that um, when I got there, it was a very different culture than I was accustomed to. I realized that everybody there had a degree. I did not have one. I came straight from dance, straight into television. And that was not unusual to go straight from dance to whatever it was you're going to do. Dancers customarily did not go to college first in those days. But because everyone had a degree there, I wanted one too. So I did not want to give up my job, however. So I worked full-time and I went to UMass Boston full-time mm -hmm. until I got my degree, my undergraduate degree. In what? And you got your degree. So, you got your degree in you got your degree in what? In dance? No, I got my in mass communications and my minor was in 
entertainment law. Wait a minute. And I've no wait, 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 back up. I did not know this. I've known you for years. You got it in entertainment law? Why? Yes. Well, I loved law and I was an entertainer. I was a cultural person. I was an artist. I still am an artist. And I wanted to have that information as much as I could. I was watching the performance before me get in trouble with their careers and their contracts because they didn't have any background in it. Mm. They didn't understand exactly what they were signing. Mm. So I thought for myself, since this was an, a rare opportunity to be able to w be working in the number one flagship PBS station in the country and having just come from dance in fact, most of the shows that I produced at that time were with my colleagues who were still dancing. Um, I said, it seems to me to make sense to study entertainment law since that was an option for me. That's what I did. Um, so I went to uh, UMass Boston, which was down in uh, Park Square at the time. And uh, we had wonderful professors, wonderful professors. Uh, and my thinking was that I wanted to study law. I loved it. I still love it. Um, and then I wanted to get a degree in mass communications because I was already in communications. In fact, I taught some of those classes. Um, then after that, so I had, I'm, I'm working on that and I'm working in television, entry-level position, now moving forward, pushing forward, moving as associate producer, which is the next level to move to in broadcast television. Um, and I was producing at the same time because I was bringing in my colleagues uh, and choreographers that I worked with to create work for television and teaching the directors who were there how to position dance so that it did not fall off the edge of the television. You know, you're, you have this box, television box, screen, and dancers work going upstage, downstage, to camera left, camera right, or stage right, stage left. So you have to turn things on the diagonal so that you don't fall off the stage. So and wait a minute, you're, the... you're adapting what you knew as a dancer as a producer or as a... I was an associate producer associate and I was a production producer. assistant. Together. And I, was produce, and I was producing at the same time because GBH at that time was a teaching institution. Okay. And so it was very easy for me to be able to segue from being uh, a staff person on an entry-level basis to work in tandem with directors, experienced directors who did not have many opportunities to work with that many dancers, uh, not on that close level. Now, when and you were doing them, that, did they pay you more or you just, they, they got the benefits of your expertise, but you weren't necessarily, did you get promoted because of that? Ultimately, I think I did. Mm. Ultimately, that's when I think my promotion started uh, really moving fast. Um, I was also put into director's programs because I was directing. 
uh, I was working with directors and helping them understand how to work with dancers and how to prevent them from looking like they were falling off the edge of the television screen mm. because they were understanding how to work with them on the diagonal so that there was always a line moving, you know, from one corner of the screen to the bottom corner of the screen, around and coming back and working it back the other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because I was doing that kind of stuff and I was doing workshops with, with directors, uh, they taught me how to direct. I taught them how to work with dancers. Uh, it was a give and take relationship. It was something that was quite, well, it was fun for me. It was, it was very educational and it was, it was fun for me. Uh, I found my niche. I was taking what had become two loves now dance and television and be able to merge them into one. Mm. In fact, my first couple of Emmys came from working with dance production. So I, and I I have 27 nominations, uh, most of which are for the performing arts. Uh, And it was just a wonderful time in my life. I was in my 20s at that point. I was in my 20s. Now I'm in my 70s. Uh-oh. And I... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now you're the second woman, black woman, woman, that's actually told your real age. I want to mark that because we're in such a, a youth-oriented society that people think you well, get to a certain age and all of a sudden you outlive your usefulness. I don't think so. Not Well, that's not... That's only... Well, that's true. I don't think by... that either, but I just wanted to put a pin in that and recognize that. Okay, well, I think that those who think that are really doing themselves an injustice and anybody else they touch. Mm. Because there is so much to be learned from the experiences of those who have lived before them. You know, you can't live 75 years and not be able to have something to offer. There's no way you can do that. You have to have something to offer. I don't care whether it's technical or just from life's experiences whether it's health-related, education directly, the performing arts, I don't care what it is. If you've lived that long, you have something to pass on. So young people, please don't sell us short. Please don't think that we don't have a lot to teach you. You're doing yourself an injustice if you don't want to listen and pay attention. We have a lot to teach you. So uh, if you've just started listening... You're listening to WBCALP 102.9 FM in Boston, Boston's community radio station. And this is Black Teachers Matter. And you are listening to an amazing Black teacher. She's my friend, Barbara Barra-Murray. I'm going to take a short break and we'll be back right after this. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. If you just tuned in, we're WBCA LP 102.9 FM in Boston, Boston's community radio station. I'm your host, Sharon Hinton, 
here this evening with my guest, Barbara Barra-Murray. And we're talking about Black teachers. This is Black Teachers Matter. Barbara Barra-Murray is a very good friend of mine, and she was just talking about being influenced by one of our greatest teachers here in Boston, I would say the world, Elma Lewis. And um, when I think about um, the loss that we have, when we lose our elders and they go on to our ancestors, um, you know, an African proverb says, when you lose an elder, you lose a library. And so we talked about the responsibility that Barbara actually had being... um, Well, now being a black teacher, welcome back, Barbara, and also being taught by a black teacher, a great renowned black teacher who told you that you had a responsibility in history, right? Yes, she did. She told us all, everyone who was in that class, everyone who was in that dance company, she told us all what we needed to do to move forward. And she would also tell us, on your way up, Reach down and take the next one up with you. Don't pick. Just take the next one up with you. Mm. And that is something that I cherished and I always did. So um, I think the last thing I was talking about was Elma Lewis telling us, telling me to go to GBH to get an opportunity to be interviewed as an entry-level person for, say, brother. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I went away for a couple weeks to Europe. I came back. I had a wonderful experience there, a cultural experience there. And I came back and uh, I started a brand new career and a new beginning to my life when I returned to Boston. And um, I was able to see the kind of programming that Alma Lewis was talking about in terms of making sure that we did not allow that material to be erased. It was very important that I followed her instruction, which was to make sure that no more Black history is erased. We need to save our history. And I did that. That was my job for my entire duration at at WGBH. So you did that, but um, I also know that you're a teacher and you taught studio production and um, as the vice president of Boston Media Producers Group, uh, and I'm the president, full disclosure, we talked about recently doing production. In the years that you've taught production and in the years that you have been a teacher, what are some of the special moments that you've had with some of your students? Well... I think I taught to the time when I left, which was in 2020 in April, April 2020. I think at that point I had taught up to 1,200 students. And I taught them many, many things about television production. How to, first of all, think like a producer. that's a different kind of thinking. You look at the world very differently when you when you look at something as a producer. Uh, and I was teaching them how to do that. And then teaching them how to write scripts, teaching them how to be able to tell a story, 
teaching them to, how, to know how to develop a story so that you have a script outline that turns into something that people really want to see. Uh, very often you have talk show, um, but if your imagination does not, if you don't know, if your imagination does not, if you don't push yourself, then you'll stay right in that box. And you won't think about how to come out of just talking to someone. If you think beyond the normal limits, as a producer normally does, those who are really pushing themselves, they'll come up with ways to, to, to involve you in that story and to make you understand fully what the full dynamic of what you're listening to is about. For instance, my go-to piece is dance. I use dance terminology when I talk. I uh, let people understand what I'm playing. Like, like sports guys, they use sports terminology, whether they're basketball players, football players, baseball players, they use sports terminology. I use dance terminology. But it's at the level where people can understand what I'm trying to say. And it helps them envision beyond the basics of television. So I teach them how to write, how to develop scripts, how to produce, literally produce, and what that means. And then they have to learn how to direct. I teach them the basics of keeping track of the material. That work is called production assistant work. And knowing exactly what you have on what source you have it on so that you can reach back for it and use it to edit with if you need to edit or you want to visually enhance your project. So what's and the I difference between a director and a producer? You and I know that, but I'm not sure if people who are... Because you said that you use the language I got it. of a yeah, dancer, right? A director technically executes the producer's concept. Mm. That's what a director does. A producer comes up with that concept and develops it and then hands it off to the, to the director so that they can technically execute your concept. So the producer has to take lead. They take lead in what it is that you want to show or tell, what story you want to tell. I have been binge watching, since I've moved here to Albany, New York, I have been binge watching Grey's Anatomy. That is the most. No way. You mean Shonda Rhimes, Grey's Anatomy, from the beginning right. now to all this, to what's going on now? What is it about her shows? Because she's also a writer and a producer and a director. Yes. And she is brilliant. But I was looking at the directing more than anything else, even though the stories are well told. Um, Debbie Allen is one of their regular directors, and it is so brilliantly directed. I mean, you're constantly being challenged as a viewer because you're talking about one thing and then she's taking you back. And so literally behind them, you're seeing scenes of what she's talking about. And normally they're reflecting back off of something else that happened in their lives. But also Debbie Allen is a dancer and a choreographer. That's right. 
a bright one at that. And she dances when she's in a scene. When she is in a scene as an actor, she dances throughout much of it. Throughout much of it. You can see it. I mean, sometimes it's real choreography and sometimes it's just it's just her movement. It's just how she how she moves and what she does. You know, it's just you just feel the piece. Um, it's something that I find that it's a wonderful teaching tool. It's a wonderful teaching tool. So we talked about teaching some more classes. And one of the vehicles that I like to do, one of the things I like to do is use other shows or shows that I produced in the past for up and coming production people, television producer directors to see what work can look like and to get ideas from that. And so this is a new thing that I've been binge watching, but it is so good that I wanna use it as a teaching tool. So I will plan on doing that. So I look forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. If you just tuned um, in, you're listening to WBCALP, 102.9 FM, Boston. We are on podcast and radio and you can see it but you also need to know what you can see and what you're hearing this is an episode of black teachers matter and a brilliant black teacher a friend of mine barbara barramari is talking about the next steps in life we you know you and i we could talk a dog off a meat wagon right and so we've got like and i promised to get you off early enough because you have you're a busy lady and just so that you guys know um there's going to come a time when your people are going to have to talk to her people. She told you how old she is then, but she's a very young spirit. So I, I want you to be mindful of the wisdom that she is passing down as being a, a keeper of history. Her responsibility at GBH was to make sure black people's history was not erased in a historic television program that was an educational public broadcasting station, GBH Channel 2 here in Boston, but it's public broadcasting across the nation responsible for Sesame Street and Reading Rainbow and all those other stuff. Ms. Barbara Bear, Ms. Barbara Barra Murray won many uh, Emmys there and was nominated for even more. So you're not just listening to someone who um, happens to know someone who happens to be on a podcast. You are actually listening to history here in Boston's community radio station, WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston in the few moments and, I, and I'm pushing along this conversation because I'm trying to get you somewhere Barbara you talked about taking the knowledge that you have and passing it on as a teacher to other students and the difference between producing and directing and you producing and directing and, and Grey's Anatomy and let's just say that um, I we are not getting paid to promote that and um I, I, I understand what you're saying. I When I've taught classes um, at Massachusetts Community College, I taught using The Godfather. The Godfather 1, 2, and 3 actually won Academy Awards for directing and also producing and filmmaking. And um, some of my favorite directors, one of them is Martin Scorsese. I mean, I just think he's brilliant. And Orson Welles and and um, Gordon Parks, I don't know if you remember that movie, Learning Tree. He's a photographer. He was a photographer. And so his art, we talked about throughout this show, how your art, being a creative, that's what, you know, being a creative person, 
um, you do blend, you blended dance, but you also blended it with law because you saw the practicality of it. You blended, um, I've seen you blend uh, the other exposures that you've had to the arts in your eye. Well, even in lighting composition and even in set composition, I see that come in. And even when you were talking now, you were your 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 arms were moving like a dancer, like you were just about to do a pirouette. It's pretty fascinating. I mean, I'm watching you do it. I don't know if you are aware of doing it. What is it? What is it that at this season in your life that you want to be remembered for and that you want to pass on to other potential teachers and students of yours? What do I want to be remembered for? Um, not that you're going anywhere. You're not. But <laughs> That's what I was thinking as you were saying that. I um, Hopefully I don't have to be remembered for much because hopefully I'll be around for a while. But um, when I am gone, I do hope that one of my first instructions uh, that had to do with television is something that our young people will remember, particularly those of the African diaspora. I want you to do whatever you can to save our history mm. and pass it on. And be history, right? Of, Create history and be part of history, right? That's right. And it's most important because if you don't know where you've come from, you will never know where you're going. So it is important that you learn that history, save that history, and pass on what you can. And be creative so that you can have your own work to pass on. Now, I, I believe that, I believe that it's, it's, uh, it's very important to understand which way you're going. It's very important to understand what you want to say. I think that uh, for those of you who are not of the African diaspora, if you want to understand who we are and you want to understand what we see, watch and listen to our work and see it through our eyes and ears. And then you will understand what we see, what we feel, and what we're hearing. Mm. That is something that I think we need to teach also. You Does know, it make a difference you, if you're a black teacher? Because you said people of the African diaspora, and even if you're not, but what is the important, or is there, an, is there a specific importance about being a teacher of the African diaspora, specifically a black teacher? Well, I think that uh, our history is so rich, and we have so much to share, and there is so much that's not being taught now, and that it's our responsibility, teachers who are Black, to pass on the information that we have, that we've learned, that we've studied, that we've experienced. Pass it on to our students, regardless of what their ages are, whether they're 16 or whether they're 65. Just pass it on and help them understand who we are as a people. The most important thing, aside from whether you're learning math or whether you're learning English or whether you're learning the technology of, let's say, this medium right here, television and radio, let's understand that you first 
want to pass on as much history of our experiences as you can. And that's our responsibility as educators. And what's your response? All right. Well, so we're talking about community media, community radio, and community television. What is our responsibility as being um, people in the media? People in the media. Mm-hmm. To well, the community people, or to black people or? People in the media, if we're talking about broadcast media, we have an opportunity to make it right. There are so many things that go out there about us, information that goes out there about us that is incorrect. We have the opportunity and the responsibility to correct it and to make it make it right. In terms of community media, we need to make it strong, make it sharp, make it so that people will respect it and learn from it, understand that they too can do it. You know, you can do it too, but keep it so that it's on a respectable level and then it's on the most professional level that you can reach and make sure that you have something to say that the average person can understand mm-hmm. and take away with them. And I think that's our job. That's our job in terms of community media. That's so, our job. So you know where I'm going. Community media, Boston Media Producers Group. <laughs> Why do you feel okay. the Boston Media Producers Group is so important? You're the vice president. I think, And you're the one that talked me into being president, just to be clear. <laughs> I did. I did do that. And I'm glad I did that. And it's been working out fabulously ever since, if I do say so myself. I I think <laughs> that uh, we have an organization, a small organization, that is getting bigger and bigger. It's growing. And, and I think that uh, there's so much. I was talking with one of the producers of VNN today. And he was asking me to help him promote one of his historical theatrical productions. And I asked him, I told him I needed a trailer. I needed him to, since they shot it, to give me a trailer of that material. And he said, how do I go about that? I said, what you need to do is find that intern that we brought to you from Massasoit Community College, where we both sit as board members and bring that young man to your material and have him edit it because he did some work for them already. And it was great work. I put it in my my last show, um, Say Brother Radio. I put it in my last program. Uh, It was very well done. And I said, why don't you use him? And he said, I didn't think about that. He went on to Emerson College. Right. And so Shadrach. You're talking about Shadrach. Shadrach. And Mm -hmm. he said he hadn't thought about that because he went on to school. I said, so what? That just gives us an opportunity for him to have something to work with that he can really put his hands on and have an example of his work for Emerson, but also give it to you so that you can go ahead and market your play. And uh, that play is uh, a piece on Marian Anderson, 
And Marion Anderson, someone that was, I think she died in 19 something, 1993, I believe. And Marion Anderson was a, an incredible opera singer. And she was a, a gospel singer. And she basically told a lot of our history through her music. And this is a production that he did that I'm looking forward to seeing. I've not had a chance to see it, but I want to see some of what he's done through the trailer that I asked him to produce and have Shadrach hopefully edit it. And if Shadrach doesn't do it, hopefully it's one of our other kids that can edit it. And I'm looking forward to that. And all of that came out of BMPG, Boston Media Producers Group. And I'm looking for the opportunity. So I'm looking for the opportunity so that we can show what it is that we can do with young people, show what young people can do when they merge their skills with the older producers and give them an opportunity to do that and to give the viewers an opportunity to see what it is that we can do and when we put our efforts together. And you don't have so to be a producer to be part of it, right? I'm sorry? And you don't have to be a producer. Well, actually, we're comprised of producers in different parts of the media, but you can, we can help you to become a producer. Most definitely. That's the plan. Okay. So in the last few moments, Barbara, I promise to get you off earlier because you have other stuff. What would you like to say to our viewers and listeners here at WBCALP 102.9 FM in Boston on Black Teachers Matter as a Black teacher? Well, first, I want to thank you for having me on as your guest. And uh, it's been fun to, to talk about this with you, talk about our, our developments and, and my career as it's fast and furiously going by. Uh, but I'm continuing to develop on it. Um, I think that um, I'm looking forward to continuing working with BMPG because it's a very special organization. And I would encourage as many of you as possible to contact Sharon Hinton uh, so that she may inform you as to how to become part of our organization and so that you can learn about television, about theater, about the performing arts and how to combine them all together. I want to thank you for listening. And thank you so, so much. I really do appreciate you. You're my sister girl, my sister friend, and in honoring you, I'm letting you go earlier than the end of the program. I appreciate you. God bless you. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Hey, everything okay? Yes, I'm fine. Honey. Hey, I'm here for you. Tell me about school today. When kids can't find the right words, music can help them sound it out. Talk to the kids in your life about their emotional well-being. Find tools and resources at SoundItOutTogether.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Pivotal Ventures. What is dedication? My daughter started making necklaces. She makes what we call affirmation fashion. I tell her every day that your black is beautiful. Your black is beautiful. And if there's anything better than being beautiful, it's being smart. If there's anything better than being smart, 
It's being kind and reaffirming that every day is our method of making sure her chin never drops. My dad wasn't around, and I remember riding a bike and falling off and cutting myself, and me never just wanted to get back on it. People ask, how your children learn how to ride a bike, and you didn't? I didn't teach them. I just created an environment where they taught themselves, and all I had to do was be there. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Sharon Hinton. I'm the producer and the host of Black Teachers Matter here on WBCALP 102.9 FM in Boston. Boston's community radio station. This is Black Teachers Matter. And we just heard from a phenomenal black teacher. Uh, she's actually has her own podcast, Say Brother Radio. And she was formerly a manager here at BNN Media. So was I. <laughs> I managed the um, Roxbury studio and I managed the studio at City Place. And um, as a creative person, I think that you need to find out what God has put into you that's very special and bring that gift to the world. I'd hate to see that uh, you wasted your time here. I don't believe you wasted your time here this evening at Black Teachers Matter. The um, series of programs that we have coming up are just phenomenal. Uh, Ruby Reyes is the executive director of the Boston Education Justice Alliance. Soon she'll be coming with us um, all the way from Texas. Uh, we will also have Rosita Shatandra. Rosita, I met um, during the pandemic over Zoom, and she has been leading the fight for public school teachers in Chicago, Chicago, Illinois. They have a historic fight there as seasoned um, teachers, black teachers, teachers that are multilingual teachers, teachers of color, have been pushed out. Over 10,000 have been violated, uh, terminated, marginalized and pushed out of the educational system in Chicago. They formed a class action lawsuit and filed that. And that's ongoing. We'll be hearing from teachers from New Orleans. New Orleans is the, I think it's the only, I know it's the first fully charter school, public school system. It's a, it's a, all the schools are charter schools. And it started um, from Hurricane Katrina. When the schools were shut down, there was a natural disaster that accelerated exacerbated the, the problems with learning, but also accelerated the charter school movement and taking over the school system in New Orleans. So it's fully charter. Uh, a friend of mine is a school member in uh, Concord, Carlisle, right now that has a lot of issues in terms of racial uh, hatred and incidents in Concord. And it has hit the newspapers here in Boston. A friend of mine, Domingo Starosa, who actually ran for at-large city councilor three separate times, whose children go to school in Concord through Met Metco is now a school committee member there in Concord. So in Barbara Fields, in the um, Boston, Educa the Black Educators Alliance of Massachusetts, she was also involved and Beam was also involved in historic uh, desegregation case with Judge W. Arthur Garrity. And there are still issues because the Boston public school system, despite what they report, have never reached the mandate from Judge W. Arthur Garrity of 25% of the teachers being black 
and African-Americans. So we're here to teach you. We're also here to to be taught. And right now we're not live uh, in terms of you being able to phone call in, but that will be up and coming. These are the earliest shows of what we're doing, but Black Teachers Matter is actually a nonprofit organization that was birthed out of my struggle in Boston as a black teacher. So there will be opportunities for you to come into the studio. Uh, you can get in touch with me at hinton.sharon at gmail.com. H-I-N-T-O-N dot S-H-A-R-O-N at gmail.com. Um, I am a teacher. I've been teaching for over 40 years <laughs> and a lot of different levels. I think about it and I go, wow. Um, I've taught kindergarten. I've taught Sunday school, after school, middle school, <laughs> high school, undergraduate, and graduate. I worked at Northeastern University, the African American Institute. Um, I've worked in several charter schools and Boston Public Schools. And I've also worked in Springfield College School of uh, Human Services and Mass Communications College, which is now Art of Art Institute of Boston, although the art institutes are closing, have been closing across the country. So um, I have uh, a lot of different friends and contacts and people. Uh, the first show, we actually had the head of education at large city council, Julia Mejia, was in a battle, a political battle right now to hold on to her seat. And she's also the head of communication committee, head of the communication committee on the uh, Boston City Council. The Residents of Boston, over 99,000 residents voted to return to an elected school committee here in Boston. We are the only appointed school committee in all the Commonwealth of Massachusetts that has over 300 school committees. Um, so there's that battle. We will be bringing that to you in terms of talking about the local issues in education, uh, the national issues in education, and also the global issues in education. But we have to start here first at home. Black Teachers Matters headquarters is in Boston, Massachusetts, but we uh, coalition with educators around the world. We did two um, seminars, What's Going On with Black Teachers During the Pandemic, Part 1 and Part 2. The first uh, Zoom conference that we had had over 250 people as far away as Prague and Cuba and uh, Dubai which that kind of blew me away. Um, across the country, in Los Angeles, Chicago, down south, I had to block some people that were, let's say, less than woke. <laughs> All teachers matter. Yes, they do. All teachers do matter. And we teach everybody else. We lay the foundations for the doctors, the engineers, the lawyers, the scientists, the inventors, the writers, the dancers. Uh, you need quality teachers no matter where you are at every single level. And hopefully you become a teacher. But we're always teaching someone because people are watching you, whether you're doing the right thing or not. So I thank you for listening to us. Black Teachers Matter hit WBCALP 102.9 FM in Boston. We are Boston's community radio station. My name is Sharon Hinton, and you've been listening to Black Teachers Matter.